out to the Bulls and the Bears Radio Hour, sponsored by Online Trading Academy, the most trusted name in financial education, and celebrating 25 years of service. I am Aaron Warby, and I am here with the incomparable Nigel Cave. Quick announcement uh, before we start. Um, we have uh, made the decision, or I don't know, we have, the, the organization has made the decision, I guess, yeah. <laughs> that... Um, that we are not going to be proceeding with a radio program anymore. Radio is, uh, the listenership has fallen to the point where we're going to be doing other things and perhaps doing a podcast because it's just much less expensive and we can get the word out to a larger audience that way. Mm-hmm. At least that's the decision. Yeah. So the Bulls and the Bears are moving from radio to podcast. If you would like to continue listening to us, it will be the Bulls and the Bears and we will, uh, you can give us a call and, and ask for the link and we will, um, we'll be able to provide that probably by next weekend. Okay. Sounds right. good. Yeah. So we're moving, but this is, this will be our last week on. And like every week, we will start out by talking about what is going on in the markets, and then we will progress to actually being able to teach. You know what else I'm actually looking forward to in the podcast? Hmm. Is we won't be stuck with timelines. Yeah. We won't you know, have to end the yeah. show at certain times. Well, I, I, I don't know about it. Yeah, we, we won't. And we can, we can simply keep going with the thoughts or whatever. But I think that we can, we'll be able to step into being able to teach a little bit more and talk about current events a little bit less, mm-hmm. you know. Now, the current events are kind of important, but I kind of try and use them as teaching moments. Yeah, like what what should you be paying attention to yeah. based on what we kind of look at? Right. So we'll be able to do more of themes, which means that when I want to talk about what is going on in the market and the um, the impact that has, I'll be able to actually break it down, spend a little bit more time in each of the subjects like I want to. Mm-hmm. That'll be nice, I think. Yeah, I think so. Keep it nice. Yeah, keep it short enough to uh, to not uh, lose everybody, but you know, with our attention pattern. But the beautiful thing about the podcast, I think, is that it can be stopped and started again later. Yeah. So I think that that's good. So for if you're too. in the car driving and you don't have time to listen to it because you got to go run yeah. into the store or whatever it is, you can just start it back up when you get back in the car. Yeah, no big deal. That's very nice. Anyway, so uh, so I, I'm I'm an older guy and and uh, things had to be explained to me. But I see some upsides. <laughs> How about that? Anyway, in the markets this week, it may not have looked like things you know like a lot was going on, but there were a lot of things going on. Mm-hmm. All right, and as an indication to that, the CPI and PPI numbers came out this week. And for those of you that don't know, the CPI is the inflation. Yeah, consumer um, price index. Consumer price index. And then the PPI is the producer price index. That is the inflation for the companies producing the products that go on the shelf that then see inflation, mm-hmm. right? All right. There were some surprising numbers in a good way, at least for most of it. Now, core CPI did not see a drop. No. That actually went a little bit up. And and core is, is the removal of... Food, food and, and energy, energy, and yeah, yeah, a couple of other things that that typically have a, a larger variance in price, mm-hmm. and so it, it's it, the actual things that you live on minus all of that. Yeah, <laughs> minus but, the things that really take up most of your money. But those numbers are from the previous month, and just right. a week and some, two weeks ago, we saw crude oil jump up a bunch. Mm-hmm. So next month's CPI. 
right. we will see that kind of priced into there. So that may be a, a forward-looking, well, hey, it's not always downhill from here because we do have energy prices that are now going back up. Right. And that's going to hit the CPI. You're not going to see it in the core CPI right away because, again, energy is taken out mm-hmm. and oil is energy. However, because everything is moved around, all of the other stuff is moved around by oil mm-hmm. for all intents and purposes, right? Every truck that delivers goods comes uh, or is, is filled up at the gas tank, you know, with yeah. diesel or something like that. Um, that is eventually going to start getting priced in. So I don't know that the downtrend in the CPI is permanent. No, and, and we I certainly didn't see that in the 70s, by the way. No, and being in Arizona, I don't know if you guys who are listening have seen this, but I've gone to many gas stations and they have signs on the door that says out of gas. <laughs> this is yeah. the weirdest thing that I, I, I heard something about a supply chain issue of getting gas to Arizona. That's why our gas prices are higher than the national average. Mm-hmm. They're at California prices now. It's it's really strange. So this spike in crude oil might be a little concerning for people in Arizona because we may see high gas prices higher than almost anywhere else before least temporarily right yeah i mean this is a supply chain issue we expect that to eventually work its itself out um however yes across the nation the uh, prices at the pump are going up we are going to see that reflected in the cpi and then eventually in the core cpi uh, as it starts trickling into goods Mm -hmm. you know the, the rest of the stuff that's not food and energy yeah um uh, however, even though we saw those things go well, you so we we saw CPI and PPI both go down, mm-hmm. and we also saw a jump in the um, you know in the in the jobless market. Yeah, the unemployment rate the unemployment went unemployment up. rate went up, and that's what the Fed was looking for so that they can stop raising rates. And so typically that would be considered good news, and we might expect to see the markets jump up saying, all right, now we don't have to price in future uh, rate hikes. Mm -hmm. They didn't. No. And there's still a 75% chance that they are going to bump the interest rate by 0.25 at the next next meeting or the next Fed rate hike. Yeah. That's the odds on Wall Street anyway. Yeah. Yeah, that's what the typical market (laughs) is thinking, yes. Not really Wall Street bets. No. (laughs) (laughs) At any rate... Yeah, uh, so we're, we're still looking at higher rates, but we are, are also looking at, at some other things. You know, one of the reasons, because we did, on, on, I, sh- I should step back, right? On Wednesday, we would expect to see the markets jump up. And initially, right at market open, boom, boom, we saw it spike, but then it dropped right back down. And the idea here is, is that, you know, there wasn't, there was a brief attempt at a market open push, but but after that, you know, it really just fizzled out. Well, and if you, they if rejected you, it and pushed, you know, it ended the day down. If you go and you look at the indexes of the market, they've mm-hmm. all been sideways for quite some time. Oh, yeah. But things like um, gold, silver, and Bitcoin are showing an immense amount of strength, which right. means I think there's a lot of people who are like, you know, I don't really like what the indexes are doing. They're not looking good. I'm going to go somewhere else. No, exactly. And, you know, the fear of the future, and we're going to talk about that when we come back. Right now, we're up against um, commercial breaks, another thing that we won't deal with in podcasts. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, we're up against the commercial break, and so um, we are going to go to commercials. In the meantime, give us a call and get registered for one of our three uh, free three-hour trading and investing workshops. All right. On the radio, at least, this is one of your last chances to get involved. And you come in, and it's free. 
and you get to learn about trading and investing the right way. There's a reason you've been listening to the show for as long as you have. So take advantage of it. Come in. Couldn't hurt. It's free. And you'll learn about trading and investing the right way. And yes, we do have other classes. This free class is there just to raise awareness of how things actually work. So it's for anybody. We have other classes because we are an academy. We have other classes specifically for those who know that they want to trade, who are going to start trading, who are going to start taking uh, control of their own investments and and you know uh, learn how to to work with with money to retire in the hopes of retiring better, things like that. Mm-hmm. But this one is free, so join us. The number is 8448-TRADER. That's 844-887-2337. Or text the word INCOME to 25029. That's INCOME to 25029. We'll see you after the break. Welcome back to the Bulls and the Bears Radio Hour, sponsored by Online Trading Academy. I am Aaron, and I will be the bear today, and that leaves Nigel with all the bull. Oh, I was bullish this week, actually. I was trading quite a few (laughs) currencies, and the currencies this week were quite bullish. Well, yes, because the dollar's been going down. Yeah, so not U.S. dollar. dollar, I mean, the U.S. dollar wasn't bullish. The rest of them were. I was trading the Japanese yen, the euro, the pound, things like that. Right. Now, usually, typically, um, when the dollar goes down... We also see the stock the market, market or the S and P, yeah, yeah. And so, really, on whole, this week we should have seen, we should have seen a better week mm-hmm. with the markets. So why didn't we, right? And, and I and I think that one of the main problems with with the general market is is that the S and P started off the week sitting in a supply zone mm-hmm. and trying to bump above that supply zone that was set way back. I, I don't know how long. It was, it was like December. December. Yeah, it was, it was a while back. Yeah, it was December that this, uh, this supply zone was set. And there has to be something significant to move it out of that thing, mm-hmm. to really bump it up. But you've got more bad than good in the markets right now because the smart money is all fleeing to gold. <laughs> and where do they get that money? <laughs> well, they take it out of other things like companies. Mm-hmm. And so when they are selling off shares in companies, then that sends their price the price of that company down well and you have to look at how the indexes are weighted you have a lot of weight in Mm -hmm. apple and if apple is buying their own stock shares keeping their prices afloat it's it's like six percent of the s p 500 right so that's that's a pretty big heavy thing that's sitting there where a lot of other companies in there in the s p are a quarter percent or half a percent Right. They, even if they dropped 10% in one day, it wouldn't really affect the price of the S&P nearly as much as what Apple does. Right. Yeah. And, and Apple also sitting in that supply zone, it's... Yeah. Hasn't gone higher. Yeah. Hasn't gone higher. And it would take something significant for it to go higher. And, and Apple is also running into some problems. And you can tell that it's running into some problems and expecting to see that reflect in their quarterlies based on what they've been talking about with their employees. Mm-hmm. They haven't said they're laying them off. But they have said you have to reapply. They did a workaround, which is just so funny. (laughs) Oh, man. So for all of these Apple employees who have to reapply, there's going to be some of them that don't get rehired. They haven't been laid off. What a what a joke. They just haven't been rehired. <laughs> that's that's just <laughs> unbelievable. But if the company is going to that measure, you know that it's feeling some pressure. Yeah. Right? And, it and needs everybody to else knows that, that pressure. Too. That's exactly right. And so what yes, we're in a supply zone. This is the third time that the market has tested this particular 
uh, supply zone, and there's too much going wrong to make a case that things should be going up. You know, here we are this last Friday, we, we started into earnings season, and the earnings are expected to be bad. Bad, yeah. You know, especially in the banking sector. Well, and and like we've said before, we're I'm I'm paying close attention to the forward-looking part of earnings too, where they start talking about, hey, what do you the expect? Guidance. Yeah, the guidance. What do you right. expect next time we talk about earnings? That's <laughs> where you're like, hey, if earnings were bad this time, what's going to happen three months down the road? Right. Oh no. Well, and there are very ominous signs, you know, in in the markets. Uh, did you know that Walmart is closing 17 stores in Chicago? Oy, that's a lot. Yes. And so if Walmart is starting to feel the pain, yeah. you know that other retailers are just getting skewered. Oh, yeah. Even Amazon. I saw Amazon's uh, earnings oh, last one. They're and negative they, EPS. Yeah, they're negative super negative. earnings per share. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, that's not good. No. So that free delivery you get to your door for that $10 whatever you bought on Amazon <laughs> is losing them dollars every time you buy something, basically. It is now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah they've, they've been having some trouble with that. So, you know, and not only that, but inflation is robbing the market in two ways. Mm-hmm. All right. And we've been talking about this for a couple of years now, how devastating inflation is on markets and why it's so hard to grow a market with inflation. Yeah. Where you've got inflation at the same, you know, at, at higher than normal levels. One of the reasons is, is because, you know, inflation eventually cuts down on consumer spending. People run can't out of money. buy as much, yeah. They can't, so they, they can't buy as much, and so they start cutting out spending that they would otherwise have, where now they're buying mostly groceries. You know, a larger percent of their paycheck is going towards groceries and, and things that they have to have, well, and, the necessities. And when you talk about being priced out of things, mm-hmm. look at our housing market. In some areas, it went up three times the amount. Well, and you're talking about mortgages. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because people buy houses based on the mortgage. And so when the rates have gone up, you know, people might still want to move. They might still want to buy a house. But the mortgage is now two times higher than it was just last year. Yeah. And so there was a solution that supposedly is coming out in May, where instead of a 30-year mortgage, they're going to go to a a (laughs) 40-year. Well, okay. What? now, this is something that we we said was probably going to happen. Remember, um, we talked about like this. Like a year ago. Yeah. 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 Year, maybe a year and change ago. Yeah. Uh, because really, you know, the real estate market always wants to have at least a 7% increase in prices, mm-hmm. where, where there's a constant 7% return um, on investment in the real estate market, meaning that the prices have to go up 7% every year in order to make that happen. Now, the problem with that is is that if GDP isn't moving at 7%, and it's not, then where are people going to get the money to pay for the price increase? Mm -hmm. Because wages aren't growing that much. Nothing is growing. You know, the GDP on whole, the average GDP is not growing that much. So where are the average citizens going to get the money? Well, you could either decide that the market isn't going to keep going up forever at 7%. You know, mm-hmm. we're maxing out. And now we have to grow at GDP somewhere around 2 or 3% a year, mm-hmm. which are, is going to upset all of those people that really thought that real estate was the only way to invest and get wealthy. Or you have a housing pullback. You have a, ho- a deep housing pullback, right? Mm-hmm. We've gone through that before. Or 
you decide that you're going to simply extend the payment of the house, thereby lowering the mortgage rate. Well, and a lot of people only buy homes for the mortgage that they can afford. They don't right. look at the home price. They look at the amount they pay per month. Right. The difference of a 30-year loan and a 40-year loan on a $300,000 mortgage is 140 bucks a month. A month. Yeah. Now, what? <laughs> that's <laughs> now that that's you know they haven't perfected that, but but a for, just like a 15-year loan gets a better rate than a 30-year loan. Yeah. The 30-year loan gets a better rate than the 40-year loan. Yeah. I imagine that they're going to find a way to start bringing that 40-year loan closer to parity with the 30-year, thus lowering that uh, mortgage quite a bit. Well, because you're right. Right now. At the current rates, it makes zero sense to go to a 40-year at $130 a month if you could do just 30 years at, you know. 140 bucks more. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and the interest that you pay in that extra 10 years is $200,000. Like <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. That I When I saw that, I was like, you'd have to be insane to think that this was a good idea. Yeah. This is a horrible idea. Right. I, I just couldn't believe it. I was I was shocked at the yep. numbers, and and it was like it was being proposed in the news article that I was reading as like a really good thing to help home buyers. Right. And I was like, if you can't afford a home because of a hundred and fifty dollar difference, you probably shouldn't buy that home in the first place. I'm <laughs> you're sorry. right. Yeah. That's yeah. You're, you're you're running on a thin margin there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, besides home prices that they want to prop up and keep increasing. That's why they're looking at this 40-year mm-hmm. mortgage. The fact is, is that with inflation, most people, the, the average person in America is already already running at redline in their accounts, meaning that they don't have money to spare. They spend their whole paycheck. Mm-hmm. And now inflation comes ar- around and they either, even if they're spending their whole paycheck, they can't afford to buy as much as they used to. And so now they're spending more on necessities and less on things like clothing, you know, um, extra vacations, you know, things like that, the discretionaries. Yeah. And that's where we're going to see this first. And that's, that's exactly what we've seen, you know, with Walmart deciding, hey, we're going to be shutting down stores and Kohl's already, you know, close to bankruptcy. And, and uh, the car industry, the automotive industry is already seeing the pain. Oh yeah, Ford's negative too in yep. EPS. Ford I believe. is negative in EPS. Um, GMC, an odd GM, bright, yeah. or GM. I'm sorry, GM is an odd bright spot, but most of the other car manufacturers are seeing a, a significant pullback. Um, and, and and so that's one of the ways that inflation robs the market. The other way is that inflation forces people to either pull their money from safety net places, uh, like. You know, because they want to keep buying things. Mm-hmm. And if they're already running at, at Redline and all of a sudden something comes up, then they've got to get it from somewhere. Yeah. And so if they don't have any in their savings account, their cards are maxed out, which we talked about last week, right? Then what's going to happen is, is they're going to have to pull money from somewhere. And that's going to be a portfolio draw, mm-hmm. which means they're taking it out of the market. And as we see people take money out of the market, whether that is because they are afraid that the market is going down, in which case they are not going to pull it out of the market altogether, they're going to run to gold. And you've already mentioned that that's what's happening right now, mm-hmm. right? But they're going to start pulling it out of the market to actually use to buy stuff, to prop yeah. up their lifestyle or to meet necessities. That also is going to be a hindrance to growth in the markets. Yeah. Well, there's already been a bit of a bank run there's been billions of dollars that people have pulled out of banks to have in cash because they're afraid of a bank getting shut down. 
Right. And so that's also now banks have less lending power. Yeah. Which is not a great thing for companies and home mortgages and credit cards and all kinds of stuff. Yes, it's that's the beginning of a bank crisis. Yeah. Now the you you know the I don't know the Federal Reserve, the Treasury, you know all of the government leaders have been trying to assure people that the banking system is in a good place and everything's going well. Just because a couple of places have shut down, that's not a reason to leave it all together, guys. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, people still get nervous. Yeah. (laughs) Because, uh, you know, when when SVB uh, did shut down, when Credit Suisse shut down, when when, um, Silver Bank shut down, anybody that was invested in those banks just lost everything. Now, the depositors didn't so much, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, the the FDIC stepped in and now they're guaranteeing 100%, but that didn't do much for the investors. Yeah. And it makes people nervous because can the Federal Reserve, can the U.S. prop up the entire banking system? What happens if we go into another 2008? Yeah. You know, and so people are still nervous. Um, I'm thinking that we that, that the banking system is going to survive personally, mm-hmm. you know, but I don't know that I'd be anxious to go and, and invest in any of them. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, I think a lot of people are looking at it and they're like, Hey, we didn't see the 2008 crash coming. We didn't see Lehman brothers. We didn't see these things behind the curtains. What do we not see now that are behind curtains that potentially could come out or maybe not at all? Yeah. Especially we have no since idea. there is so much that could go wrong. And right we now. had no idea Silicon Valley bank had $15 billion in unrealized losses, losses that nobody had seen. Right. And so there's there's things that are behind the wall that we just don't know yet mm-hmm. and that will come to light as the market continues to do what it does. Yeah. And so for the investors, what should they do? You know, And I think that that's the salient question because in the absence of knowing what to do, people simply get, get fearful. They simply mm-hmm. get scared. Now, scared is never a good position. I've never seen a scared person make a good decision yet. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, and it's typically during these times that people, you know, do things like pull all of their money and sit on it, which is a horrible thing to do in high inflation. Mm-hmm. You've got to make your money keep working for you. Yeah. Uh, it turns out that beca- that those that aren't trained in financial, um, don't have financial literacy, always do the wrong thing. <laughs> <laughs> because the emotional thing is the wrong thing, but they all they have is their emotion. They don't have any understanding of how things go you know so please we have a free workshop and we've got a three-day workshop both of them are good now the free workshop is for those that you know just want to get a little bit of financial intelligence see how things actually run mm-hmm. all right if you want that give us a call at 8448 trader that's 8448872337 or text the word income to 25029 that's income to 25029 now we also have been offering a 3 day class and for those of you that call us on the radio you get a discount on this class All right, this three-day class is for those who know that they want to start trading and investing, right? They either want to make this a primary or secondary income, or they want to take charge of their own uh, financial future through investing, right? Make sure that they know how they're going to retire Mm -hmm. instead of just letting somebody else do it for them and guessing. Um, That is that three days is for those people who know that they want to get involved, okay? So if you want that, just give us a call. 
at 8448Trader and tell them that you want the $99 class. That's a discount of $200, by the way. Or text dollar sign 99 to 25029. That's dollar sign 99 to 25029. We'll see you after the break. Welcome back to the Bulls and the Bears radio, sponsored by Online Trading Academy. We're a little bit more than halfway through the show. We've been talking a lot about um, inflation and um, and the markets this week. You know, and and inflation is just having such a large impact, and it's going to continue to have such a large impact that even though most people think it's a boring subject, you did for the first year. I did. Yeah, when I no, was talking no. about it. Well, because we weren't seeing it in stores, <laughs> we weren't seeing it all over the place, and now it's it's everywhere. But I'm the wealth guy. I have to warn people that are interested in wealth <laughs> what's coming up, and sometimes that takes a while. At any rate, yeah, uh, you know, another thing that happened this week, and we're going to get away from the inflation part to the Federal Reserve notes because that was a little bit of a surprise to people. Hmm. Um, now, typically what happens is is that the Federal Reserve will have their meeting and then they come out and make an announcement and everything that's in the notes they've already talked about, you know, right there on the, um, in the announcement. And then a month later, the, the notes come out and everybody reads it and they get surprised. Yeah. Again. Like, Wait, they said that? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> now, in this case, there was a little bit of a surprise because when Jerome Powell came out after the last meeting, he did not say that the majority of the board thought that what they'd already done was going to put the U.S. into a minor recession. All right, hmm. The banking crisis and all of the rest <laughs> was actually going to throw the uh, country into recession. But when the notes came out, right, because everything's recorded and they That's have to what release they it, said. that is what they discussed during the board meeting, that they were under, that the majority of the board thought that we would be slipping into a recession during this next quarter. How funny. I know, right? Of course, Jerome Powell didn't say that. If he got in front of a camera and said that, the the market would sell off 15%. Yeah. All right. <laughs> he would tank the market with that one. Yeah. Now, here's what people were surprised about, all right? The initial shock was, whoa, they actually said that? And, and the markets didn't like that. Yeah. Right? But then they started thinking about it. Wait. <laughs> they thought that we would go into recession and they raised the rates anyway? Mm-hmm. <laughs> What? Because for many years now, the it's been very it's been an accepted idea that that uh, the charter of the Federal Reserve is to print the dollars, mm-hmm. protect the dollars from inflation, you know, control inflation, mm-hmm. and that was their original two um, two. Uh, I don't know. That Goals. that's what they were chartered yeah. for. Yeah. That was their yeah their job. But in 2013, it became very evident that their third job was to prop up the markets. Mm-hmm. And they've been doing that ever since. 2013? 2013. Mm, no. Nope. In 2009, they pushed it up, but everybody thought, all right, that's a one-time thing. But oh, when they, they tried to... Yes. Okay, I got you. Yes. When, when the market started shaking and they said, no, no, we're going to... You know, they, they decided to stop buying stuff in quantitative easing. Mm-hmm. And in 2013, when they saw that the markets were ready to go down, took an initial dip when they did. Oh, no, just kidding. Yeah. Then it became an accepted idea. Oh, no, we've got the Fed put. Well, then they tried it again in 15 and in 18. And in 18. Yeah. Same thing (laughs) happened, right? Now, in 18, they were actually quietly making it stick Mm -hmm. a little bit. And the market was down like 20% before. Finally, they said, fine, fine. Yes. We'll give in. All right. We're not going to sell it off. 
Yeah. <laughs> we just st- sit on it. Yeah, all that quantitative easing stuff. Anyway, the but the real shock is that they knew that the market was going to be going down. They read they raised rates anyway, which wasn't going to help the markets. Mm-hmm. What has happened to the Fed put? Right. Mm-hmm. That's that's the real question here. This should not have been a surprise because last September, they're in their um, in their major meeting. All right. Um, you know, they, they talked about the need to bring some economic pain. Yeah. We, we have to get inflation under control. And the only way we're going to do this is a little bit of economic pain. We're going to watch the jobs market, you know, uh, disappear. We're going to watch unemployment raise. We're going to, uh, watch the, you know, very likely the, the stock market take a hit on this. Mm-hmm. And we need to see that so that we can start controlling inflation. Because if we don't, then it's going to get even worse. And now we've got inflation, which is still high. 5% is still high. Yeah, it is. And the markets are going down. <laughs> well, and you know, a lot of people were comparing inflation to this time last year. And it's not a good comparison because what was happening this time last year? Oil was at 120 some dollars a barrel. Right. Well, and, and I think that we need to understand that, you know, with inflation, like, yes, inflation was 7% last year. Yeah. And inflation is only 5% this year. But do you know what that really means? Prices are up 12%. Yeah. From where it was two years ago, 12%. Mm-hmm. And if we have 5% again next year, then it's going to be 17. 17% in three years. All right. I don't know how many people, and especially those on fixed incomes, that planned for that kind of inflation in their retirements. Yeah. I mean, that's ridiculous. And so, you know, controlling that and getting it back down to 2% where people can count on a little bit more, that's, that's, that's essential for the welfare of the majority of people. Yeah. I, you're right. I think people are looking at it too month to month and not year over year of, hey, how much are we actually paying more every single year as this moves forward? Yeah. Now, a couple of other things have happened this week that are kind of ominous as well. Um, central banks around the world are shedding U.S. debt holdings, like T-bills. All right? They're selling them off. Oh, yikes. Yeah. Now, typically, um, U.S. T-bills are, you know, considered gold. Mm-hmm. It's better than gold because it goes up and it keeps going up and you, they're going to get paid for it. And it's, it's super steady. So they're shedding it. And they're shedding it because the dollar is going down fast. Mm-hmm. And uh, even though we're raising rates, it's not controlling the dollar going down. Yeah. Um, Because no matter what we're doing internally, even if we're only seeing 5% here, if other countries are controlling their inflation better or faster, Mm -hmm. then the U.S. is going to continue seeing the the value of the dollar drop overseas. You know what else is rising? Uh, Eviction rates have gone up quite a bit, actually, over the last six months. And we've expected that. Yeah. Well, we talked about that, the moratorium coming off, and then Mm -hmm. it didn't hit right away. It lasted another six months to a year or whatever it was, and then finally it it actually started to hit, and those things started to spike. Yes. Well, and one of the things that that is going to be reflected in that in coming months now that we're seeing the spike is that uh, the people that had rent, you know, lower rents and had uh, people that weren't paying, even if they raised the rent, it wasn't wasn't happening. No, yeah. they, they weren't getting it. <laughs> All right. But now they're going to be able to move people in with higher rent. Yeah. And so that does hit CPI. Yeah. Um, and, and we should see that reflected, um, I don't know, in the future.
right? Yeah. Okay. So um, with all of that in mind, I think it's understandable why we are not pushing past that uh, supply level in the S&P 500, why the market has been held down. Mm-hmm. Because there's just so much that could go wrong is going wrong. And even though people in general, the average person has no idea how to read how to read the numbers that they're going to see in the quarterly reports. Mm-hmm. Right? It's a lost art. It's something that, that uh, you would have been trained for if you were a value investor. Most aren't. All right, value investors haven't done well lately, mostly because they're taught how to read the numbers. And if the people that they're trading with don't know how to read the numbers, then it's they doesn't can't help. Commit. Yeah, it's yeah. not going to help. <laughs> right? No, it should be priced at this. Well, I don't care. Everybody else is paying me for this, so I'm just going to sell it to them, not you. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's not fair, right? Yeah. So the value investors um, probably understand what it is, but because nobody else does, it, it hasn't been doing it. But what they do know, what they do understand, is that guidance, like you were talking about. Mm-hmm. And if guidance is down, then then the markets you know, are going to reflect a little bit of nervousness. And when yeah. they're nervous, then they're not greedy. They're scared. They start selling off. Yeah. <laughs> then the markets go down, right? And depending on how bad the guidance gets and, and how many places fail, you will see things get even more and more scary. Well, like we talked about Walmart. Walmart's a huge one. They're like one of yeah. the cheapest places to buy stuff. And if they're closing because they can't afford to stay open, yeah, that's not a good sign. Yeah. Well, and there's two parts to that. Um, so they're only closing the ones in the inner city. And the reason that they're doing that is they can't be profitable in the inner city. So obviously the urban environments are getting hit hardest, mm-hmm. um, with this, uh, higher inflation, but also because of the theft rate, Yeah, something that I don't want to talk about and I'm not going to spend any time talking about, but if people are taking stuff out of the store and not paying for it, that also means that it's not profitable. Mm -hmm. Okay. But Walmart all over the place is getting hit. You'll see that in the quarterlies. Um, and if Walmart's getting hit, then everybody else is getting really, really hit. Yeah. Because you're right. You know, high inflation, people go to cheaper stores like Walmart. Yeah just how things happen. Okay. Um, again, we've got to take a break during the break. Give us a call. Remember, um, if you, if you weren't here when we opened the show, just want to mention it again. We are not going to be continuing radio. Nigel and I are moving to podcast instead of radio, a venue where we can uh, get to more people in a larger area. If you would like to follow us, give us a call, but also give us a call if you want to get involved in a three hour, um, free, trading and investing workshop, okay? Or a three-day trading and investing workshop for just $99. Your choice, but the number is the same, 8448-TRADER. That's 844-887-2337. Or text the word WEALTH to 25029. That's WEALTH to 25029, unless you want to take the three-day class, only $99 for all three days. Just text dollar sign nine nine to twenty five zero twenty nine. That's dollar sign nine nine to two five zero two nine. We'll see you after the break. Welcome back to our final few minutes of the Bulls and the Bears Radio Hour, sponsored by Online Trading Academy. Once again, for those of you that joined us somewhere in the middle of the show, I am Aaron Warby, and joined today and almost every week by the incomparable Nigel Cave. And here we are on our last show. We're going to finish up by discussing some very important things. And I think in our last show, I want to do just a little bit of teaching. I want everybody to have 
the advantage of wisdom. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not going to try and quote myself in any degree because <laughs> I have mentors, <laughs> all right? And I'm actually going to make it a little bit more familiar, but I do want to point out a couple of things. If you want to do well, then you need to listen to those that are doing well. Mm-hmm. One of those that has done really well is Warren Buffett. So I'm just going to do a couple of quotes from Warren Buffett, and we'll talk just a little bit about them, all right? But he said this. Now, most people um, only quote the first you know, couple of words here. He says, risk comes from not knowing what you are doing. That's typically where the quote ends, if you look on the internet, okay? Mm-hmm. But that's not actually what he was saying. Risk comes from not knowing what you are doing. So why diversification is only required when investors are ignorant. You only have to do a very few things in your life so long as you don't do too many things wrong. Warren Buffett. You know, that's really funny that you say that because I tell people all the time, diversification is a really good way to underperform the market. Yes. Well, to average the market, right? Yeah. Even if you're good, the more you diversify, the closer to average you get. Or less. Yeah. And and Warren Buffett is not there to average anything. Warren Buffett is to outperform things. Mm -hmm. All right. If you had invested, you know, in in Berkshire Hathaway back in 1970 uh, or, and, you know, taken the same money, if you'd taken... $70, $70, put it in Berkshire Hathaway in uh, 1970, and then taken $70 and put it in the S&P, the S&P would have grown to about $200,000 mm-hmm. in today's money. All right. By today, I suppose. Yeah. All right. You would be multimillionaire with Berkshire, with Berkshire Hathaway. Hathaway. Yeah. Because he does not underperform the market. He outperforms the market. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't do that by throwing all of his eggs into... A whole bunch of baskets <laughs> that give him right? average or below gives average. Yeah. yeah. And, and so if you're doing things and what he's saying here, you know, um, if you, if you were to listen to him, uh, very closely, he would say, all right, for the average investor, you should put your money in the S and P 500, which by the way, is a basket of 505 of the best performing stocks in the, uh, you know, Stock in the financial yeah. industry. All right. Well, if it's the 505, then what you're doing is you've actually got a whole bunch of diversification here, mm-hmm. right? That's that's lots of diversification. He personally doesn't d- uh, believe in diversification for himself. So why is he telling everybody else to do it? Well, that's in the first line. Risk comes from not knowing what you're doing. So why diversification is only required when investors are ignorant. So, hey, if you're ignorant, expect average or below average. Mm-hmm. In fact, there's a reason he said the S&P 500 and not mutual funds, which are the exact same thing, right? They it's just have more fees and they don't perform as well. Right. They just underperform the S&P. So he says that the average person should do the S&P because mm-hmm. they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Well, average sucks. <laughs> and no, I, I really mean it. Okay. I just want to talk about average here for a second. Did you know that the median annual uh, retirement income in the United States is... $47,620 a year. I did not know that. Yeah. Now, I don't know how comfortable you feel at $47,620 in a year, but that doesn't sound like the re- kind of retirement that most people were dreaming of. No. But that's what you get when you do average things. Okay? So the average person goes into 401ks and mutual funds, and they get average results like $47,620 a year. Mm-hmm. 
If you want to do anything better than that, you can't be average. And I think that's the point. That's certainly Warren Buffett's point, okay? And so what do you need to do? Well, he's saying that risk comes from not knowing what you're doing. And because you don't know what you're doing, you are required to have wide diversity of investing, right? Lots and lots of, of diversity so that it covers some of, some of your ignorance. Yes, things are going to go wrong. But if you're, you're all spread out, then one thing going wrong doesn't absolutely kill you. Mm-hmm. And Warren Buffett says, ah, I don't need to do that because I'm not ignorant. <laughs> I can cover my risk with understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, well, you can either be average or you can get some understanding. And it turns out that here at Online Trading Academy, we teach how to not be average. We teach financial literacy. Well, and, and one of the other things that Warren Buffett talks about is he says, he's, I've, he's, one of his quotes is, I've been in the insurance business for 50 or 60 years or whatever he says. Yeah. He's not talking about Geico that he's owned no. for a long time. He's, he's talking, talking about, about options. options. Yeah. The guy's been an options trader forever and he's very good at it. And a lot of the things that he does, most people yeah. can do. And you can typically learn that stuff. It's not crazy hard, but you need someone to teach you. Yeah, I could give you a book right now that says how to trade options, but then if you go to try and click the buttons, you may be very lost. <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right. Now let's talk about Warren Buffett's thoughts on market timing. Quote, I will tell you how to become rich. Close the doors. Be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. All right. Now, this is coming from the guy that back in the 1970s says, my favorite holding period is forever. But now he's saying, yeah, look. You are greedy when others are fearful and fearful when others are greedy. All right, this is a nod. That, that's, if you are greedy when others are fearful, you're buying things when everybody else is panicking. Mm-hmm. That means that it's at the very bottom of the market where you're buying. And if you're selling things when other people are greedy, that's what happens at the very top of the market. Everybody is stupid greedy. Yeah, He's talking about market timing here. Like right now, I'm, I'm not going to lie, I think there's a lot of greed out in the market. I think there's a lot of people who just want to be more right and they just keep buying and buying and buying and hoping that it's going to go up. They think this is the bottom. Yeah. Mm. Which, who knows? We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yes. So, so this is, you know, this is what you do. And by the way, when we hit the bottom, at the bottom of the market, you buy as much as you can of the right thing. Now, that, that's where Warren Buffett also has an edge because most people have absolutely no idea what a good company is or how to spot a good company. And mm-hmm. so when they hit the bottom of the market, really, the bottom of the market, that's where most of the deals are. But that's also where most of the overpriced um, companies are. Right. The fact is, is that you never know, because if you're buying something that looks like it's on a, on sale, mm-hmm. but the company goes out of business, then you have paid a massively high price for that particular stock. Yeah. Buying SVB at its very bottom, which was a week before it went bankrupt, before the stock was worth nothing, was a horrible idea. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just because something, and this is another thing that I hear average investors say, is, oh, don't look at a stock like it's down 50%. Look like it's on sale 50%. No. Mm-hmm. If the stock could go another 80% to the floor from the 50% down you bought it, it, it doesn't mean it's on sale. If it's a bad stock to buy, it's a bad stock to buy. Right. Yeah. And so if you want to trade well, you actually have to know what you're doing. If you want to invest well, you have to know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You can't simply buy and hold forever. 
All right. Uh, I know that we've mentioned this a couple of times, but we've had students that come in that that bought Tesla, you know, two years ago, and they're still holding it because obviously it's going to come back. Or we we've met people who bought Alibaba, Alibaba. at the highest point yeah. for close to a million dollars, and now have maybe a hundred thousand right. left. And you know what? Tesla might have been a great thing to buy when it had a monopoly on the on the um, electric, you know, electric vehicle yeah. market, but now it doesn't. Now mm-hmm. everybody and their cousin is making electric cars, and they are no longer a monopoly. And so, can you expect them to get back to the same place, or are they going to start seeing more average profits and see things lower, just like Ford, just like GM, just like Toyota? Mm-hmm. All right. So yeah, you can buy and hold it forever, but if you bought it at the wrong time, you know that's that's another thing that that I think people get wrong. If you're going to do well in the markets and wealth, you have to not only have time in the market, all right? Time is critical in investing. Mm-hmm. Both time in the market, how long are you there, but also the timing of the market, buying it at the right place. Yeah. Um, I think Nigel has mentioned this before. People that bought houses in 2007 didn't actually get any money out of it. They didn't make a profit unless they sold after 2018. Mm-hmm. So... They got in at the wrong time, and and if they got out at the wrong time, then they were negative instead of positive. Yeah. It wasn't time in the market that mattered. It was the timing of the market. Well, and, and something I ask people um, is, when do you make money? When you buy or sell? Buy. What's when you buy? Because you yeah. have to buy it at the right price. You buy it too high of a price, well, now there's no one to sell it to at a higher yeah. price. So yeah. you're kind of out of luck. <laughs> yep. Yep. All right. Well, that's kind of all the time we have. I've certainly enjoyed doing the radio um, and especially with Nigel. Uh, so, you know, this is kind of a fond farewell. And um, I hope that some of you, you know, get on to our podcast, which we will be publishing in the next couple of weeks. And if you want to know what that is, just give us a call and find out uh, what the link is. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the meantime, come and join us in one of our free three hour trading and investing classes. The number is 8448 Trader. That's 844-887-2337 or text the word WEALTH to 25029. Again, that's WEALTH to 25029. Or if you know that you want to start doing better than the average and you know that this is the time to uh, start doing it, just join us in one of our three-day workshops, all right? Typically $299. You can just give us a call and we'll get you in and especially here in late April or early May beautiful time to take this class. All right. Uh, but get into one of our three day classes and learn a lot more, actually learn how, how everything starts working. Uh, the number to get in is 8448 trader. Again, that's 844-887-2337 or text dollar sign nine, nine to 25029. That's $99 to 25029. That's all the time we have and we will we hope to see you on the podcast. <laughs>